mortgage, meaning we were able to go back the entire year and find that we were acquiring properties at a much, much lower rate than we have seen since 2008. The last time it was this low was 2008. Okay. Now the data geek in me went nuts. This is literally, we're doing this analysis just you know, a day or two before my Mexico vacation. And I'm explaining as best I can to my wife, who's bored to tears, listening to me get drone on about marketing data. Um, and I said, we need to sell everything like dead serious. We need to start looking at our entire portfolio and offloading it. And not because I'm afraid of a market collapse. Okay. This is not going into, oh my God, the sky is falling. This is the end. No, actually quite the opposite. It is because the sky is going to fall in a couple of years. And in that time frame, you're going to want to be excruciatingly liquid. Okay. Meaning you're going to want to have access to that capital before the market collapses. And the the, the metric that would decide for me anyway when it's time to sell is this marketing metric. If I can buy houses, if I can replace them for this low consistently, I have a year worth of data and it could change tomorrow. Okay. We, the thing about marketing data, the thing about real estate data is it changes on a very consistent basis. So just cause it looks good now does not mean it's going to look good six months from the day, but based on where we're sitting at this very moment, there has not been a better time to market your way into the acquisition of distressed properties than there is right now since 2008. Check, check, one, two, one, two. Turn it up, turn it up. Welcome to the Foreclosure Deals Coach Podcast. The tides are turning, the time is now. You're home for the mindset, methodology, and tools needed to invest in foreclosures. Don't you dare buy a house, buy a deal. You need to get into this right now. Right now, yeah. And now your host, the Foreclosure Deals Coach, Donnie Corum. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Foreclosure Deals Coach Podcast. I am your host and Foreclosure Deals Coach, Donnie Cora. <laughs> I can't get enough. Like I, I, I just, I feed on the attention, like even if it's digital. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we are recording live from our downtown Denver studios with my executive producer and all-around badass, Mr. Jonathan Winston, how are you, man? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Thank you, folks. I appreciate you for showing up and being in the digital audience like you always are. You know, you're a lovely crowd and we appreciate you. Um, Love it. Yeah, man, it's been pretty cool. Uh, Last few days, um, we took a little break. Yeah, I was just going to say that. We took a little break over Thanksgiving. It was good. Um, You know, so I'm out here in Colorado by myself. Don't really have too much family out here. Got us met some good friends though. So this year I figured, you know what, let me try my hand and, you know, start developing some of my own Thanksgiving recipes. So, you know, I can, I can just, you know, make stuff for myself and not always have to just be going over, you know, to other people's houses looking for a plate. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the the, the flavor with yourself right now. <laughs> the, the the flavors were there. It's just like the execution, the heat, and the time. It just like the, like half of it was all right, but the other half I still got a little bit of work to do. So this year I'll probably give myself a, a six out of ten on my Thanksgiving recipes. But tried though. Good I did. I didn't have any food poisoning, and you know I was able to you know kind of finish the rest of my 
weekend. So I guess it turned out all right. No one died. That's, that's important. And, and, and good for you. Kudos to you for, you know, getting your butt in the kitchen. Martha Stewart, you ain't, but, you know, just kind of taking that, <laughs> that first step is, uh, is a good thing. So good for you. You know, we, uh, we flew in from Mexico. On the- oh, okay. I didn't get to do anything like that. I was just eating bad Cornish hens, but that's all right. <laughs> so we get home. It's like, all right, well, obviously we can't do frosted turkey. We, you know, we just got back from our vacation. So we went to Fogo de Chao. Have you been to Fogo de Chao yet? I haven't, man. Y'all tell, y'all tell me so much about it. It's about time that I make my way over there. I got to take you, man, because like, it's like all you can eat meat. So they walk, it's a Brazilian steakhouse. For those of you all out there who don't know, Brazilian steakhouse, they bring out these skewers of meat. So you got steaks and they come by and they cut off a piece of the steak or sausage or filet mignon or anything you imagine of meat. It's like a, it's like a meat coma waiting to happen, you know? And I, I sometimes worry if I'm having a heart attack for the amount of red meat that I'm eating at this thing, but I love it. I love it, you know? So we're thinking Thanksgiving, you know, the shop, they're open, a the shop, they're not open. We call them up. Turns out they're open. That was awesome. Obviously, with what's going on with all the COVID crap, I'm just happy that they were open. We get there, and uh, they put us in a tent outside. Oh, it was cold, right? And it was like 28 degrees out there. Now, a, the, the, this is kind of an expensive meal, okay? Fogo is not a cheap place to eat. And that, you know, we go there because we love it. We don't mind paying the higher prices. But now it's like, you're outside, and it's cold, Right. And I'm like, I really just wanted to bounce. Like I, my first thing think was screw this. I'm paying too much for this meal for me to sit outdoors. Right. But then the second instinct kicked in, which was number one meat. Right. So that, that's a big one. Like the steaks are sitting, I watched the skewers of meat go by. And then number two, I really felt for these people. You know, you start to realize that these small businesses are being decimated. You know, and, and, and Fogo de Chao is a national chain. So, they, I mean, they're going to be fine. But you start looking at the, the bartenders, right, the waiters, the people who obviously would prefer to be home with their families on Thanksgiving, but they're working, right, because it's their job. And a lot of them, you know, have to. And, you know, others want to, but a lot of them have to to support their families. And if people all kind of went, screw this, I'm not going to eat outdoors, what would happen to them? You know, and it... And it just, it just dawned on me, like the best thing to do is just put up, you can put up with being cold for a couple hours to enjoy this incredible steak and help these people to get through this pandemic crisis. You know, Colorado just locked down again. And regardless of your political um, stance on this, it's starting to hurt businesses. Businesses are closing that may never reopen, you know, and uh, if we can give a little bit back, I want to do that. So that was, that was just, you know, just a little Thanksgiving story. Obviously, I enjoyed my steak. It's an incredible meal. But also, I encourage everybody out there, support your local businesses right now. Understand that we're all going through this, you know, and the people who really need you to keep acting as normal as possible are counting on you to do that. And I hope that, you know, that just this message and story imparts on you. It sucks, but let's put up with it. Like, let's make the world a better place. Let's help out best we can. If that means eating out, you got to eat outdoors. A little bit of putting up with it's going to help everybody across the board. So, just my little piece on that. Let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about some foreclosure stuff. That's why you guys are all tuned in. Nice article you posted there, Matt. Now, just talking briefly about you know the what, what we're seeing here in two pandemic housing trends that are likely to stick around. So check out, as always, the Foreclosure Deals Coach Insiders Group. It's a free place to join up on Facebook. But the article talks about um, the two things that are likely to kind of stay around even long after the pandemic has left us is what they refer to as the great escape. The suburbs have become a hot place to be in the pandemic. 
I don't know about y'all, but I'm a city boy, right? Like I am my favorite place ever to live is downtown Denver, Colorado. Like, like just being able to walk to sporting events and art galleries and jazz shows and all that stuff was just, I just loved it. But what this is saying is that the suburbs are becoming hot because a lot of people want up out of the city. Are, are you seeing that, man? Are you, seeing, are you seeing an exodus, do you think, from the big cities? I know you work, you know, you do some city, a lot of work in the city. Are you seeing a lot of people leaving? Is it quiet? Yeah, um, I, um, in addition to what I do in real estate, I do some stuff in property management. So, um, you know, in and out of a lot of different, um, you know, either apartment buildings, uh, luxury condo buildings, different things like that. And if there's, you know, not a larger, uh, uh, you know, number of vacancies or, you know, a larger amount of availability in the properties, um, these properties are if they're not having to deal with that, they're giving away all sorts of concessions, like two and three months free rent and, you know, just whatever they can to get people to come in and, you know, fill up these apartments. So I have definitely started to see a transition from, you know, um, the hustle that you usually see for people to get into that, into those downtown properties, into right. those properties to now um, it's, uh, you know, those leasing agents and the different people that I work with, they're having a little bit of uh, trouble, you know, getting those leases to come in and signing new people up. It's a struggle, man. And, and it's a very real thing. And some people had, had said that they're the, uh, the exodus from the urban flight is even mentioned that the urban flight is a myth, but I don't know. I'm seeing it. I mean, I'm definitely seeing that the suburbs, and then you look at markets, they call it a springs market. We do a lot of our investing and like the, the housing market is literally at the lowest level it's been in a decade. And we're going to talk in more detail about that in another show, talking about what the, what's impacting that inventory. Some of it's obvious, but this is a big part. The city dwellers are kind of like, we need to get up out of here, man. I can't be around all these people. You know, personally, I want to go the other way. I moved to the suburbs during the city crisis and I'm living in a, you know, the sub, a suburban house right now, but it's uh, I miss the city. I long to go back, but it's not as cool as it once was, you know, and it may not be as cool for quite some time. So that's the one thing too bad. We're thinking that that trend is going to stick around post pandemic, maybe for a while. The next one is remote work, uh, the zoom room. And they're referring to it as a office space where people are going to have their dedicated room where their, you know, their backgrounds got to be pleasant for Zoom. You know, obviously Zoom can do virtual backgrounds pretty well, but a lot of people are buying houses with having a Zoom room in mind, which I think is really cool. I think it's kind of neat that, you know, it's going from the home office space, which obviously been very popular, to now you have to have a remote workspace. So it's got to be aesthetically pleasing, like behind you. It's got to have the right, right lighting and all those other things because you may be doing a lot of your business like we do now uh, via Zoom. So two very fascinating things that probably will go post-pandemic. The workforce is going more remote, so they're not living in the city as much. They don't need to be close to the employers because they can, they can work remotely. And as they're buying houses in the suburbs, they're looking for space where they can log into their office and have a decent enough background in the form of a Zoom room. So it's a fascinating article and just a, a big trend shift and things that probably will survive the pandemic. All right, let's get into the meat and potatoes of the show today. Now, here's the thing. We had a, a, a guest a while back who kind of referred to me as a geek or a dork. What, what was that? What did she, what did she say I was? Uh, I think she called you a, a numbers geek for your, yeah. you know, love of uh, doing market comps and, you know, market analysis. 
Yes, I think there was something along that line. And here's the thing, she's 100% right. Like I am a hardcore data nerd as it relates to real estate. But the other side of it is I'm a data nerd as it relates to marketing as well, okay? So just I'm gonna take you back in time a little bit. And when I first got into the industry, uh, 2007, 2008, okay? We were tracking a marketing metric. And I'm going to try to keep this as layman as possible because it, it really is a metric I sort of invested my, invented myself. But it came down to the reasonable acquisition cost of marketing to purchase a property, okay? And basically, it's how we tracked how effective our marketing systems were. Now, everybody's got their own version of this. I'm just saying this one was mine. We had to buy a property that did not need work that would make a profit of $15,000 or better without doing the rehab, okay? So over the years, we tracked that number. Obviously, it was at its best in 2008 because people were giving houses away. Like it just, it got, it got, people were trying to get out at any and all costs. That's where we started tracking this metric. As you fast forward years later, the peak of this metric got into about four to five thousand dollars it was the reasonable cost of acquiring a property that could make you 15 grand still pretty cool though right i mean if you're spending four or five grand to make 15 it's not a bad return on investment okay right. the, the average if you look over since 2008 to 2020 has wandered somewhere in the 2000 to 2400 range per acquisition. Okay. So we generally budget, we're going to spend $2,000 to $2,500 in marketing dollars to get an acquisition of an off-market property. Okay. So recently we did our, just kind of our quarterly analysis of what's going on with our marketing dollars and it dropped and it dropped so far that we had to go back and back test it to see if the data was accurate. Like as a data geek, I'm really big on tracking my numbers. This number came in so low that I was like, that can't be right. So we went back in, did a little bit more research, looked at it, but did a back testing on the marketing going back a full year, all of 2020, and the number checked out. And, you know, your number may vary. I, I know I, I spent a bunch of numbers, 2,500, 4,000. It really is so market dependent that these mean, may mean nothing to where you're at, okay? But where I'm at, this number dropped down to $500 per acquisition on a yearly average, meaning we were able to go back the entire year and find that we were acquiring properties at a much, much lower rate than we have seen since 2008. The last time it was this low was 2008. Okay. Now the data geek in me went nuts. This is literally, we're doing this analysis just you know a day or two before my Mexico vacation. And I'm explaining as best I can to my wife, who's bored to tears, listening to me drone on about marketing data. Um, and I said, we need to sell everything like dead serious. We need to start looking at our entire portfolio and offloading it. And not because I'm afraid of a market collapse. Okay. This is not going into, oh my God, the sky is falling. This is the end. No, actually quite the opposite. It is because the sky is going to fall in a couple of years. And in that time frame, you're going to want to be excruciatingly liquid. Okay. Meaning you're going to want to have access to that capital before the market collapses. And the, the, the metric that would decide for me anyway when it's time to sell is this marketing metric. If I can buy houses, if I can replace them for this low, 
consistently. I have a year worth of data and it could change tomorrow. Okay. We, the thing about marketing data, the thing about real estate data is it changes on a very consistent basis. So just because it looks good now does not mean it's going to look good six months from today. But based on where we're sitting at this very moment, there has not been a better time to market your way into the acquisition of distressed properties than there is right now since 2008. And I want you to let that sink in for just a minute, okay? Because I am, I'm a marketing geek, I'm a data geek, I love crunching the numbers. Here's the thing, guys, if you crunch the numbers and you're coming up with the same numbers I am, that now is an excellent time to buy deals, not houses, because we don't buy houses on this show, But if now is an excellent time to buy and then you don't take massive action, then in two years or so when the market collapses or goes down and I'm I'm proven to be right, you're going to be kicking yourself in the butt. You know how I know? Because I did it. Hmm. In 2008, when the acquisition costs were so low, I was... much younger guy, didn't have my footing underneath me, had just gotten in the industry. I'm just starting out. I don't have access to the capital, the resources, the people to take advantage of it. So the guy I was mentoring underneath, I kind of had to watch him build his empire, my mentor and friend, which is now 115 houses deep and throws off eh, 50000 a month in passive income. Hi, this is Donnie Corum, your foreclosure deals coach. It's important to have good credit when you're buying a foreclosure. A lot of people think you can come in with bad credit, but the fact of the matter is you need pretty stable credit scores to buy a foreclosure deal. So how do you find out how to increase your credit? Well, there's tons of credit repair agencies out there and multiple formulas. But one thing we found that works is reporting your monthly rental payment to the credit bureau. We partnered with RentReporters.com, the leading provider of adding your payment history direct from your landlord onto your credit bureau scores and it helping people to boost their scores up to 40 points in as little as 30 days. So to get started, I want you to head on out to www.ForeclosureDealsCoach.com. Now that's a messenger bot and you're going to use the keyword rent to get more information about Rent Reporters and how you can boost your credit score by getting your rental reported to the credit bureaus. Once again, Donnie Corum, your foreclosure deals coach. Check it out. One day, one day I'll be there. Well, here's the point. You can either learn from the market that's coming in or you can start preparing for the storm. One of the two. You may not be in a spot financially. I know a lot of you out there are listening to the show or just kind of getting started in the real estate market like Jonathan is, right? And so maybe capital is not going to be your thing at the moment, but you need to be watching this market excruciatingly carefully right now. And obviously, as a data nerd, that's easy for me to say because I'm watching the market all the time, but I'm telling you the days of dabbling. Like If you've been dabbling in whether or not it is time to become a real estate investor, let me clear something up for you. Stop dabbling. Okay. The time to become a real estate investor is upon us. The marketing supports it. The, the, the pandemic supports it. The general lack of knowledge of what's going on in the marketplace is, supports it. The time is absolutely positively right now. And I know I say it all the time, right? But you guys keep tuning in to listen to the message. The question is, are you taking action? Are you heeding my warning? Or are we going to have a conversation 
three years from now where you go, man, I wish I'd listened to that Donnie guy. Because the one promise I can make to all of you is in the next collapse, I will be prepared. What does that mean? Liquidity. You don't want to go looking for capital when the market's already gone south. Because I did. In 08, I'm like, okay, I can buy these. I'm, I'm walking down the street, literally down the street, seeing properties I can buy for 60, 70 grand that even in a crisis market that we were in in 08, were easily worth 150 to 180, and I couldn't get that capital to do it. You know what I had to do? I had to get a job. Right? And uh, I'm still upset about it. Do I sound upset about it? You sound a little bit bitter. I can, I can f- hear it in the back of your voice right there. Little bitterness, right? Because I had to walk. <laughs> I had to watch as people's wealth were being built. And I am telling you, as your friend, as your foreclosure deals coach, as the guy you tune into each and every single week, I'm talking to all of you guys directly right now, I need you to take massive action right now, okay? And my version of massive action, and listen, I am, again, this is not chicken little, the sky is falling. We are giving serious evaluation to selling our entire portfolio, which ranges from my former primary residence in Colorado Springs, Colorado, you know, probably worth eight, nine hundred thousand dollars right now, um, on down to some rentals we have in the Pueblo, Colorado market, and everywhere in between. We're starting to go. Do we need to sell all of it? Not because I'm afraid of anything, but just because I'd rather be sitting on the cash when this thing goes south. You know, and are you are we getting there too early? Is there still another year or two of appreciation available? Probably. You know, but do you want to market time this thing down to the hour? Can you? Are you, are you certain you know exactly when the market's going to collapse? And how could you be certain? Like how do all these stock traders, the guys online, tell you for certain that Apple's going to trade at this number at this date? They don't know. They're making it up. You know? And the reality of the market is we know one thing for certain is it's oversold. There's too, too many people that bought in the market. Inventory is too low. Inventory is not being replaced along the way. People are severely overpaying for property right now. That is fact. Okay, so I'm not absolutely saying that you should do what I'm thinking about doing, which is selling my entire portfolio. I'm saying if you got access to liquidity in other places, start getting set up, right? You're probably a year or two too early, but I'm telling you you to start looking down that road at this moment. Okay, because if you start looking for capital, when things go south, all the capital dried up. Hard money lenders who had been funding me for years disappeared on me, wouldn't fund another deal. You know, people who supported me. And listen, it wasn't because the relationship wasn't built. It's because once the fear trickles into the marketplace, it is at that point too late. Okay, you, can't, you can't wait for, hey, it went bad. Now I'd like you to invest in me. You have to, we have a relationship. I've got my own capital to add to the story. If I get your capital locked in today, a year before I need it, then you're going to be in a much better spot. You know, and, and I'm excited it's, it's, a, it's a trepidation. There's a fear attached to it. You know, this is my nesting. This is, you know, most people, their, their primary net worth is tied to their real estate, right? So if I convert that entire portfolio to cash, right, I no longer have a real estate portfolio. That's a scary thing for a guy who's owned houses. You know, I bought my first house when I was in my mid-20s. You know, it'd be a strange thing for me not to own anything. But I have to tell you, the money's more valuable right now, liquid. So either you're going to have to borrow against these assets, which is a great time to do that because rates are stupid low. You know, cash out refis are not quite as desirable as doing a, a, a normal mortgage. They don't like to give you their money to go play with. 
for obvious reasons, if you remember what happened in the 2008 era, right? right? But maybe paying a higher interest rate is worth it. You know, because I'm also a hard money lender. I'm a private money broker and my investment costs, like it costs 10 to 12% to get access to that capital. What if you could get access to all the equity in your current property at two or 3%? Where would you be financially? Well, you're going to argue I'd be homeless, right? Should you be renting right now? I don't know. I mean, that, that, it really it depends on your situation. I can tell you that I'm living in a property we're currently remodeling, but when we're done with this one, am I going to buy another house? Not as a primary residence, no, probably another property to remodel. You know, I think short-term bunts are where it's at right now, but I'm also accustomed to living in a construction zone. So a lot of people can't handle that. You know what I mean? This marketing metric is suggesting that we are on the cusp of what could be and again, it's all theory, but what could be the greatest real estate investment marketplace that we've seen since 2008. And, you know, Jay, you're a little young to remember what the market was like in 2008, but right. can you imagine? Think of any company. Can you imagine having bought Apple stock in 2008? Man, I would not be making this podcast with you right now. I'm, I'm sorry to say it, man. I'd probably be on the <laughs> island right now. I love you too, but I, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> Right. If you had done, if we had known what we know now in 2008, how much real estate would you have bought? Right. And you're looking at the market today and you're going, there's no way you can go higher than that. I don't know. I, I, listen, I, I don't think it can. It doesn't make any sense. We flip houses and I'll, I'll level with you and tell you that the retail price that we are selling at transcends anything I would have imagined in 2008. Like the numbers are staggering. I'm in neighborhoods that are not necessarily bad areas, but by comparison, you know, they're not the greatest of areas that are going for prices that I wouldn't have paid for good areas hmm. in 2008. You see what I'm saying? So right. if we had known what we know now, we, we the actually would it take. So it really just comes down to whether I'm right or I'm wrong. And I certainly could be either, right? It's 50-50. Right? I'm not going to tell you that my crystal ball is sitting on my desk here and I can tell you exactly what's going to go wrong. Whether I'm right or I'm wrong, the only way, the only way to capitalize on this is massive action. You see what I'm saying? So like, you can't, like, we go back to if you had known what Apple stock was going to do in 2008 and you sold everything, your Mercedes, your house, your kidneys, <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think I need those, but the kidneys is probably a bad idea. But listen, if you had sold all of those items and put it in the Apple stock, where would you be today? Set. Period. Okay. And I am telling you right now that you're going to need to be liquid for this next revolution. I don't know when it's going to start. That's the part I can't tell you. I can't, but I can tell you that my marketing data fully supports a market that's very similar in a lot of capacities to the 2008 market. And that's all I can tell you. Like, we don't have any guarantees. And you can go, you know, you can watch Fox Business News right now. And you have a bunch of talking heads on there giving you theory about what this sector is going to do next or what this company is going to do next. It is all kind of educated guessing, right? So if it's educated guessing anyway, my educated guess based on 12 years of marketing data is that we are approaching a market similar to the market that made more millionaires in the real estate market than any other time in history. Are you ready to get on board? 
Are you still thinking about it? Stop thinking. Do Thank it. You, you got to do it. You got to do it. Now, a couple ways to get involved. Like the, the obvious way to get involved is hop on into the foreclosure deals coach insiders group. You know, yes, obviously we're a coaching system. There's a coach, there's a sale coming up when you're ready for it. But right now, you probably just need to know more about the market than you know right now, right? Just now listening to the show, you got a little bit of insight as to what the marketing systems are reporting that's very similar to a time frame that made a whole bunch of money. Okay. If you do nothing with this data, it's useless to you. On the flip side of that, if you start letting your brain operate in different ways and you start looking at this knowledge set as going, I do need to get more marketing dollars out there. If you don't have the marketing dollars, you got to do what Jonathan's doing. You're driving for dollars. You're looking for deals right? You're trying to find those off-market opportunities. There's a huge amount of stuff going on with the texting systems. Have you seen those? The SMS? Yeah. Um, batch leads. Uh, what's another good one that I've heard about? Uh, man, I know that uh, Sean Terry uses one um, that, uh, okay. he was, that he was talking about specifically that I, I took some notes on it the other day. I just can't, it's not coming to my mind right now, but yeah, I'm, that's another thing that I'm looking into as well as while I'm driving for dollars, you know, potentially getting some list and, uh, throwing those into a text messaging system and see who I can reach out to and, uh, you know, get in contact with. Absolutely. That's been the, uh, like this year, again, we, we just look at it as a pure marketing dollar metric, not the marketing system, but rather how much dollars we spend versus how many deals we get. Okay. Mm-hmm. But this year, a lot of them have been that texting system. Like we're getting a lot from, you mentioned batch leads. I don't think we're using batch leads. There is one other. I apologize. I can't think of it either, but we'll figure it out and post it to the group. But yeah, you're just sending a, a text message that says, hey, we're interested in buying a house in your neighborhood. Do you want to sell? You know, and obviously, like any other cold marketing system, you're going to get a lot of people who are not happy to hear from you, you know, but that's part of the game. In the past, when I, you know, the last big rise in real estate was about 2012, 2013, I had a call center filled with 12 real estate callers who are cold calling people with the, we'd like to do a cash offer on your property. This texting system has replaced an entire call center. 12 people being replaced by a robot that just sends out a thousand text messages a day. Hey Donnie, I found that other, um, I found that other system. It's called freedom logic. That's the one that uh, Sean Terry was telling about on one of his most recent YouTube videos. So batch leads and freedom logic are two of the top ones that I've heard of. And if you stay tuned to guys like Brent Daniels, Max Maxwell, Jamil, uh, with key Gleek and, uh, Sean Terry, like we've been talking about, I'm sure they'll give you some more options as well. So it's all about getting that education too. Absolutely. You got to know what's going on. You got to know what's changing the technology. Like I'm, I'm still kind of like, I feel a little old school. Like I'm still thinking, all right, we got to get our call center set back up. And you know, I'm reading up on these marketing geeks are going, no man, text messaging is where it's at. You know, Facebook groups are where it's at. You you have to be converted with the time. And maybe, maybe that's why the rate has gone down. Maybe the technology is superior or maybe the market is scared. Okay. But whatever the reasoning is, if you can acquire properties at an extremely inexpensive rate, you have to capitalize while it is happening, not two years later when you're like, man, I wish I'd bought a couple more houses or I wish I'd set up these marketing systems or I wish I'd gotten that tech system. If you're, if you start any of your sentences with, I wish I had, it is too late. 
Okay. So I, I, I'm telling you that it, we have an opportunity here and I want to see you guys grow with this. I want to show, you know, let's compare notes. What's working in your marketplace right now? What's the best way you're getting acquisitions right now? And if you're just getting started, you don't know where to get your first acquisition. Let's talk about that. What's working out there for newbies. I love, love, love hearing stories, of people's first deal, because I remember my first deal, which I talked about extensively on the first episode of the show. Go back and listen if you haven't yet, but I talked about, you never forget your first, you know, it's one of my favorite things to discuss with people, whatever your first deal was, or if you're still working on that, you got to start figuring it out, how you're going to get this thing done before this opportunity passes you by. It's a solution is purely capital. Look around. Do you have assets that can be liquidated? right? You're very young. You're just getting started. Maybe not, but in the case where, you know, I've, I've been around a little bit and I'm looking at the comfort of my portfolio of real estate. And I'm going, do I want to trade comfort to go all in to bet it all on black as Wesley Snipes would have it? You know, <laughs> right. um, I, I, I might, like, I, I think I'm, I'm really going, I think I need to start looking at that. And I'm encouraging you to evaluate. I'm not encouraging you to jump necessarily and sell off everything, but start looking because I'm, we're probably just a year ahead of schedule and you're going to hear it here. First, I'm going to say, remember when I told y'all a year or two, I literally texted all my family and I go, you need to give serious thought to selling everything you own in real estate right now. Okay. Because for one thing, we know it's going to go down. And for two, you're going to need the liquidity to buy back in when it hits the bottom. Okay. And I'm telling all of you now, I'm sharing that with you now, the marketing metrics do not lie. Okay. They do not lie. They, they occasionally misreport but that's not the same as lying. They're, they're giving you data based on the time at the moment. Okay. And at the moment, it's, it's telling us with no uncertainty, guys, that the market is absolutely changing before our eyes. Okay. You have to decide what you're going to do about it. And, you know, your first step is already accomplished. You're a, you're a listener to the Foreclosure Deals Coach podcast. You're getting educated as we speak. I hope you're learning something. I hope you pick something up. But from there, I need you to start taking massive action. So let us help you with that. Join up with the Foreclosure Deals Coach Insiders Group. You're going to need some software to start evaluating these deals in real time. We use dealhunter.io. Um, it helps you to do evaluation. We do evaluation meetings one-on-one. If you want to sit down and talk about how do I figure out what these properties are worth, I'm happy to do it. I want, I want as many people on my team out there listening to this message right now, improving their lives through investing in real estate. You know, that, that goes for everybody who's listening. So join up. Let's get started. Let's work together. Let's make some money, you know, but you got to take massive action. Hey, and that's our show for today, guys. You know, I hope you enjoyed it a little longer than usual, but we have to cover a lot of important stuff related to the metric. Would love to see you join up on the group. Would love to see you out there. Ask the questions. If you don't know, don't just sit there twiddling your thumbs. This is about education. It's about information. It's about putting the word out there that the world is changing before your very eyes. And all you have to do to get involved is to take action. And I hope that's your takeaway from today. With that, this is Donnie Corum, your foreclosure deals coach, reminding you now and always, don't buy a house, buy, buy a, deal. a deal. Want more of the foreclosure deals coach? Hit subscribe and stay tuned for more of the mindset, methodology, and tools you'll need to invest in foreclosures. Visit foreclosuredealscoach.com and text DEAL to get a list of foreclosures in your area.